Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective. My name is Elizabeth, and today, Daniel and I are joined by Carly Blake. She worked behind the scenes on ER from 2004 to 2009. Carly, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having me. So, I guess to get started, um, tell us a little bit about kind of how you got your start working in television and kind of what led you to working on ER specifically. Uh, it's kind of a weird, long story, but um, I, when I was in college, um, ER was my favorite show in the world. Um, and I have a weird way of being able to investigate things even pre-Google days. And uh, I had gotten a connection with uh, John Wells Productions, which is the parent company of ER, or was the parent company of ER. Um, and I was given the opportunity to intern with John Wells while I was a junior in college. Um, and I had also done my college thesis on ER, the production of the one hour drama, um, where they allowed me to go and spend two weeks with the crew, the cast. They kind of gave me, um, at night, I mean, at 20 years old, they kind of gave me a, like a, a un, um, just basically full reins to the set. I got to, um, I got to meet a lot of different people that I never would have been able to meet at, at 20 years old. Um, from there, uh, after I graduated, I was given the opportunity to PA um, my first year out. So I moved from New Jersey to California. That's awesome. That's super awesome. Um, I suppose that leads into my follow-up questions. So, uh, you know, our next question was going to be, were you a fan of the show? Obviously you were. Um, were you a fan from the beginning, from the very beginning in 1994? Or was that something that sort of came along in the mid in the later 90s well i was a fan um you'll find this kind of funny um and i'll go back to your original question but um when i started working on the show some of the writers th there's a group called the research department and and that's in any type of television production and the research department's responsible for exactly what it says researching um <laughs> which includes going back on the show because you know at the time i started working for the show the show had been on 10 years so yeah. people hadn't always been on you know there's only a handful of people that worked on the show the whole time so they found out that i was they called me the er encyclopedia and they would actually <laughs> call me on set and ask me if they had done this or if this had happened or this or that um so that was one of my fun little games uh prime to prior while working there um but i didn't start watching the show in 94 i was uh i was 10. um and uh my mom wouldn't let me watch it i kind of picked it up i was a big x-files fan like nice. a diehard x-files fan um which came out a year before er did and um i remember the two shows always going up against each other and for emmys and i was like why is this show constantly beating my x-files <laughs> and i was so mad about it and i was like 13 and um i started watching it and i was like oh damn it's a good show too <laughs> um and i got hooked and to the point where when i got to college i was a freshman one of my name my neighbor was also a huge er fan and we used to dress up in scrubs and an er t-shirt and we would watch er and nobody was allowed to come in our room and we called ourselves the scrub sisters 
and it was such a dorky thing to do but it was so much fun yeah that sounds adorable <laughs> yeah yeah we were we were pretty dorky i still am a dork but you work in tv you have to be um so what was your job title on the show i know you mentioned you were a production assistant for a while um but i've seen you credited as a few different things during your time on the show so what was your official title and then kind of what were your day-to-day responsibilities uh, i had a couple different titles during my my time that i was there um, I started as a production assistant, which essentially you are the bottom of the barrel. Um, you are running errands, you are going to get coffee. Um, I actually, I take pride in this, but I, I you, we used to have this massive tray for coffees because there was, a, let me go back. Central Perk, you guys know friends, you watch yeah. friends. Central Perk, they renamed the Starbucks at Warner Brothers Central Perk. Nice. Um, so Central Perk was, you know, all of a hundred yards from our stage. And uh, they gave me this big tray that fit maybe like 15 coffees or whatever. And I remember one day it was raining and uh, the director was Stephen Craig. Stephen would always say, buy coffee for the whole set. And it wasn't like, he meant it. And... I didn't have a coffee cart, so I had to go make runs to Starbucks concept. And it was so pouring rain. I remember I made the record number of coffees at one time, carrying it back, because I kept piling them on top of each other, and I didn't drop it. And it was twenty-seven coffees. Oh my god! At once, and I was soaked. I was. It was so disgusting. But um, it's stupid menial stuff like that when you're a PA. I mean, you're kind of you're a runner. You go to the production office, you distribute call sheets. Um, when new scripts come out, you help distribute them. It's a lot of running around and doing whatever the ADs need. Um, then my second title was Key Step PA, which is the second year, my second year there, um, where you're essentially not the boss, but you're the higher PA. Um, and you're doing more on set stuff. So I would, you know, when you see the elevator doors open, um, or you see somebody come into a scene, those are all cues, uh, and they're all audio cues. So you have, say, like uh, an actor who has to say, uh, Kovac needs to walk into the trauma room, like the middle of the scene. I would be sitting on the other side of the door with, uh, they're called cans, you know, the headphones, like you're wearing, Daniel. And mm-hmm. um, I would be listening to the dialogue, and I have to figure out where it would be to, to go, where the best time would be right. to go. And our guys were such assholes. And I mean, good way. I mean, in a total good way. Like they would tease you and try to make you screw up. Um, I would have like Gorn in my ear, you know, come on, sucker. You're going to fuck it up. Come on, sucker. Um, And they would, they would tease you. And some of these cues, like in the back lot, you would be queuing four or five different things, ambulances, fire trucks. And if you screw up one, the whole scene is shot. Um, so it was a lot more stuff like that. You're working with, and that wasn't the only thing, but you know, you're working with special effects to make the doors work, or something with blood, or you know, you're you're helping the director, you're helping um, the first AD more than uh, than just running around and getting crap. Um, and then my third job on the show is towards the end, the last year I was in post production, which is the edit, you know, the editing team uh, and I was a post-production coordinator so I worked with um, the edit staff um, helping finalize uh, or working with the set you know to to get actors for dialogue stuff they called ADR um, 
we were there when they finalized the shows. I actually delivered the final show once it was completed. Oh, awesome. Um, wow. NBC Studios. It's a little fun tip. Um, I had to pick it up from uh, my my boss at the time. And her boss, they QC the show, which means they have to watch it three full times uh, to make sure there's no errors. Um, and then that's picked up from a separate studio, a separate area outside of the studio and has to be delivered to NBC. And that was at like, oh, it was like four or five in the morning. It was, it was pretty insane. Wow. So, yeah. So there's a fun tip. If anybody asks who delivered the final show to NBC, it's me. So. I have to keep that in mind when we get to season 15. There you go. <laughs> Many years from now. <laughs> We're all in the finale. Most of the crew is in the finale, too. Oh, nice. like as extras or just? Yeah, it's extras. It's That's extras. awesome. I never knew that. Most people don't. It's it's kind of fun. It, actually, season four, I think season four, um, the live episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you know who you're looking for, um, people like uh, the set doctors or the props guys are all background in that show because they were not filming it as they usually is done. It's shot like, um it was shot live cam so yeah nobody could be sitting on stage you couldn't hit the directors yeah. and uh the tds and, and the producer everybody was in a truck outside like a live show that's how it's done like in sports mm -hmm. um usually everybody's on the set and it's recorded to, to um film uh this one was done differently so people who were like props guys who needed to make sure the blood was flowing and make sure this and that um they had to be inconspicuous. So they were dressed in scrubs and they were going back and forth throughout the scenes, um, which is fun. And the yeah. finale, it was pre-planned. Everybody, like my boss and I were walking out the ambulance doors when I think it was a married couple came out of the ambulance. I don't remember what the scene was. It was towards the end of the show. I've been in a bunch of episodes just when they needed fill-ins. Yeah, I think we, IMDb noted one in particular, but I, yeah. I think it was Finders Keepers. Was that the... Finders Keepers. Yeah, that was when I was an intern. And I, I actually, that was before I had an intern. Uh, it's I, my father, who's now 15 years past, was in that episode with me. Um, and that was right before I did my thesis on the show. Um, but when I worked on the show, like I was a driver. I, I was in a, they kind of would throw us in scenes. I was in um, the James Woods uh, episode, mm -hmm. the guy with mm -hmm. ALS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was a skater because we had to keep people away from the camera. So my boss and I were out there skating. Nice. Um, so I'm in a bunch of episodes, but I, I can never remember the names except Finders <laughs> yeah. Keeper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for our next question, I guess we've already sort of touched on this a little bit too, uh, but you know, during your time working there, the show had already been pretty well established and had undergone several cash revisions. And so I guess we just want to know, uh, was there like a sense of pressure among the cast and the crew to you know, sort of have a, have a standard to uphold or was there a feeling that this this was sort of your show and you you were taking it in your own direction? You know, it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, you know, there was a lot of people who worked on the show who had been there since day one and they had such a sense of pride of the show. The the ER um, Emmy that they won, I think it was 96 <laughs> or one of those, 96 or 97, they kept on the stage as a reminder of, you know, how special the show really was um and i think the actors were all very um 
a lot of them were very green, except like Angela Bassett, John Stamos, like Linda came in, she really hadn't had a, a career establishment. Nobody knew who Goran Vizhenek was at the time. Um, more Tierney, like she had a little bit, you know, had a career prior, but nothing like that kind of drew her in. Um, they worked really hard to make it its own at that time, but while still honoring the ER name. Mm-hmm. Um, because they also like in episodes later on, I think it's like season 12, 13, they do reference um, Dr. Green and Dr. Uh, um, Weaver and, and Dr. Romano. They bring them, even bring them back in a few flashback scenes. Mm-hmm. You're still honoring um, the greatness that was then. The crew themselves, we used to have a lot of pressure because, um, I mean, I won't say names, but NBC was, was, pushing for cancellation at that time there was this was pre-dating uh you know everybody redoing shows like they have been now um you know there was always i think by the time i was in my second season you know it was were we going to be picked up were we going to be picked up you know er used to get picked up for five season chunks and tv wasn't the first five seasons were under one contract i think the second three were another by the time i was there um we were only through season 12 and then it was year by year and uh you know they always used to put the ratings up on the the door when you walked in you could say oh we got this number or whatever so there was that pressure that you know you wanted to keep going because it was such a special place to work i mean as a pa usually pas are like i said bottom of the barrel but er we were treated just like everybody else i was friends with the cast um you know, I went to weddings and um, baby showers and stuff like that from the cast and the crew. And I'm still friends with a lot of people. I talk to a lot of my old friends, you know, as much as I possibly can. I've had some of them were in my wedding. Um, so there was a sense of we want this to still be great, no matter no matter what, you know, anything around us was saying. So. It's it's so weird because we're we're in the middle of season two in our, you know, sort of progression through the show. And, you know, when Daniel talks about the like the viewership numbers, they're like in the 37, 34 million, 30, whatever, you know, huge, huge numbers. So it's so weird to like hear you say that, like, and to think about ER as like a show being on the bubble. You know, it's bizarre because at the time ER was ending, that's when television was changing. Yeah. Now, you know, mm-hmm. TV today is so very different. You have so many shows that I, I'll remember one of the directors coming in when I was in post and, and she had just directed uh, psych or something like that on USA network. And this was, she says, man, I don't want to cop out and become a commercial director. I mean, I'm sorry, a um, not commercial cable, cable director. Sorry. Um, <laughs> she's like, I, you know, I don't want to be that director. And then it wasn't three years later that I saw her and she says, oh my God, I want to be a cable director. This is the thing, um, you know, and started directing a lot of these, these shows like on Netflix and stuff like that. Cause that's the future um, yeah. is this, these binge watching shows. Um, you're not going to, you're never going to get, unless you're watching the Super Bowl. you're never going to get, you know, 50 million viewers like ER once did or, or 30 million, as you said, you know, the number people aren't staying in and watching television at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night. Right. You know, it's your luck. You get, uh, you know, you might get 10 episodes in a row and somebody will sit in their, you know, sit on the rear all day while they do it, you know, <laughs> but um, we were kind of on that cusp 
and it was a, a time we didn't realize the transition was changing. Like the actors and writers strike had a lot to do with it. Now it's a different world. I think ER would have done very well now. Yeah, I'd be very curious now that the show series is on Hulu. I'd be very curious to see what those numbers sort of look like just because, you know, if we're watching it, uh, you know, we're watching it through on Hulu just because it's the first time I've ever yeah. seen it. We've ever seen it in high definition. Yeah, it looks different. So. different eras. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it looks different. And there's yeah. um, we're finding like uh, instances where like things that they weren't considering because it was standard definition you know they they're like oh we're, nobody's gonna see that nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be able to see this thing this detail yeah. and now that it's like you know you're watching it on like a 60 inch tv in full high definition it's pretty it's crazy right pretty obvious yeah towards um, the end of the show we were more in tune to that right. and we shot on red yeah. camp the last five episodes and and uh yeah it, it changed very much over time a lot of shows are like that though anything from the early 90s um, around 1996, there was a big change in how things were filmed. Yeah, I mean, it seems like really other than ER and maybe Law and Order are the only two things I can think of network shows that like span that full transition from like early 90s type of process to all the way through to almost to the HD era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, X Files kind of yeah, did that as close. well, 93 to 02. Friends, the way they filmed was different too. It's really just the lighting. I mean, yeah, yes, it's different cameras and, and whatnot, but it's also different film. Right. Um, and now nothing's done on film. Now it's all done on digital. So yeah. it even looks even more different. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we did kind of in prep for today um, was we went back and watched your short film, uh, Manic. Oh, God. And, <laughs> well, oh, my God. <laughs> so one of the, But one of the things that we noticed right off the bat was that, you know, you got several prominent cast members involved with it as well as it looked like some of the sets as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what was, what was that process like and, and how cool was that to be able to kind of make your own vision come to fruition in this place that you work? Um, it was surreal. Um, God, I haven't thought about that movie in so long. I started that movie when I was in college and uh, shot the beginning of it on film. Um, actually the little kid in it is getting married that's how old this is oh wow, oh, wow. Um, yeah that's schoolboy the babysit for who's now 27. um it was it was one of those things that it kind of goes back to my my relationships that i had on the show mm -hmm. um louder Sarone, i i love to death she's one of the sweetest humans on the face of the earth same with linda cartellini i mean when i asked them to be part of the project um they said, absolutely, what can we do? I mean, we did that on a Saturday, mm -hmm. uh, Warner Brothers. And I got the unit production manager to actually write it off um, and not <laughs> charge me. I was supposed to pay wow. Warner Brothers for an electrician. And it was some like crazy numbers, like five, 600 bucks, which for a PA is a lot of money, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, money of course. per day. And one of our gaffers actually uh, agreed to come and spend the day and, uh, my DP was one of the props guys and a bunch of my buddies from post and in the production office helped out. And uh, we even had a script supervisor coming to do the day that I shot with Cardellini, um, which was actually a fun tidbit at Scott Grimes' house. Oh. That was one of his bedrooms. <laughs> that was his master bedroom, I think, where we shot that. Um, 
God, I haven't thought about that in ages. And the Joanna Kearns thing was kind of funny because, um, so Joanna Kearns, obviously from Growing Pains fame, mm-hmm. her former stepson was our prop master, Rick Kearns. Or you probably seen the name Richard Kearns. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so she was directing on the show. And she was actually prepping the day we were shooting. We had permission to be on the stage. They knew we were going to be there. Um, and, and Joanna was just walking around. A lot, a lot of these directors that weren't like all the time directors would actually come to the stage with friends and, and um, you know, mark everything out right. um, okay. before they came in. So Joanna was just there one day. And um, she came in. She's like, what are you guys doing? She had been on the show before when I when I worked there, so she knew who I was. <clears throat> and she's like, "Oh, can I help?" And uh, so, we're like, can we throw you in a scene? Can we just hey, like yeah. add a couple lines? And uh, so we did. And she shot it. We did like two takes, and it was crazy. Um, just just surreal that I was a kid, you know, twenty two, maybe twenty three at that point, and. Um, I would had given the access to stuff that I could, in my wildest dreams, could never have imagined. Yeah. So. Yep. It was super weird seeing Chuni as you know in a full in the full doctor getup, <laughs> and we're like, wait, no, those aren't those aren't nurses scrubs. What the hell? Oh my god! I she's just the sweetest. I, I was at her wedding, and she's since gotten divorced, but she's just so much fun. I, I talk to her once in a while, and she's big into rescue dogs like me, and. Um, yeah, she's just good people. Like she was, she was like, Carlito, let's go shoot this right now. Let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. I just, she was so sweet, super sweet. Just good people, you know, yeah, genuinely yeah. good people. Yeah. So obviously you had a really good uh, relationship with the main cast, uh, but we're curious, uh, did you get to work with any of the, you know, some of the more prominent guest stars that they had in the show? And if so, who would you say is your favorite? I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> um. God, we got to work with so many different uh, cool people. My, my favorite, and it ended up leading to a different relationship, um, Gary Marshall. Um, nice. Gary was in the last season. Um, Gary was my, like, A League of Their Own is my favorite movie of all time. And the reason I got into production, and Gary just happens to be, you know, happened to be a very nice man. And uh, we had an ER softball team uh, at the time we oh, had nice. it when I was there and I used to play college ball and I was uh, a junior Olympian and so I was the manager of the team so John Stamos knew Gary and I was so nervous to go talk to Gary I mean we would have cast guest people coming all the time it didn't really phase me Gary I was super nervous so John must have started to you know talk me up about uh softball to Gary and I had no idea I was up post uh and I came down to to grab somebody and um finally I I go up to him uh and I said Mr. Marshall I'm so honored to meet you I'm a huge fan and uh he said I said I'm the ringer because they they call me the ringer (laughs) and he says oh you must be Carly I'm like oh shit (laughs) and I almost died right there like I, I I just was so in awe of this man and he was such a lovely human being um which led to me being on his softball team uh he had a softball team for his <laughs> theater which was about half a mile from warner brothers and uh when er ended i you know i before i moved back to the east coast 
I played on Gary's softball team. Um, and we won the Burbank Championship, which was awesome. But it was before Gary started to deteriorate health-wise, so it was really the last team he played on. And so it kind of holds a special part in my heart. Yeah. But he was like, he just reminded me of my grandfather. My grandfather passed a few years prior. And it was just, he was just such a sweet man and treated everybody like gold. I mean, went up to everybody, um, thanking them for their hard work. He was just one of those people that you never forget. That's nice to hear. Um, so what would you say was your biggest challenge during your time on ER? Like what was your, what was, whether it be professional or like, day-to-day stuff like what would you say was the thing that was the hardest thing for you to do be awake for 20 hours a day (laughs) (laughs) the the filming was that long during the days sometimes or oh yeah um well the pas and the ad's were the first in last out gotcha so especially the pas so i would you know if it was a 7 a.m call time on monday Uh, do you guys know about turnarounds and everything have you heard that before uh, like with union actors and union, union yeah people. so yeah. Okay. so actors and anybody who's in a union has a turnaround pas don't um so they could literally give us six hours off <laughs> but uh-huh. our guys weren't that bad um but let's say we started at seven o'clock on a monday morning the crew called seven i was there at 5 40 um because that's when the first female cast would come in or 6 12 if it was guys um and then you know it could be anywhere from it it just depended i mean we've had 16 17 18 hour days we've had 20 hour days we've had four hour days it makes it just depends on the director it depends on the um the what work we're working on if there's effects involved um man it's just there were so many different things that could uh, sometimes you worked all night your call time could be five o'clock at night um, and you'd be working till six o'clock the next morning. It was, that part was challenging because your life is your job. So we would right. work till two or three in the morning on a Saturday morning and then have a softball game, then go out drinking and be back at <laughs> five o'clock in the morning. Priorities. Priorities. Yeah. Well, you got to after being on your feet for 18 hours. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was hard. Being on, I'm an East Coast person. I'm from New Jersey. Being on the West Coast is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very different uh, way of life. Yeah. Um, and I was not, you know, not used to that. Uh, I lived in the ghetto. That was challenging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until I, you know, I met my husband, and it was a little uh, easier because he's a big scary man who would keep the gang members away um but yeah i mean i was lucky in in my experience mm-hmm. um no sleep i napped on set <laughs> i'm During sure you're not the only one there's plenty of beds no here. i had my own bed it was my bed no everybody <laughs> knew at lunch when they called lunch that was my bed it was comfortable unless they switched it and then i was pissed because it had a really good mattress a good pillow but you know all right, so maybe going a little more positive now. Um, do you have a specific favorite memory from from your time working on the show, or just something that sort of sticks out in your mind that is really, you know, just really fun or just really heartwarming or something like anything like that might come to mind? Um, first thing that comes to mind uh, when I went from set to post, it was in the middle of the season. It was I think it was like 
February, March. And uh, a lot of the, everybody was kind of not disappointed, but they understood, but uh, I had to change quickly. And uh, they threw a surprise for me at the set. They had a cake. Uh, it said Carly's flying out to post. But the biggest surprise was uh, Linda Carlini had gotten all the cast members to go in on a customized uh, diamond necklace that is in the ER logo. Oh, wow. Uh, That's really cool. Yeah. It's, and I, I mean, I cried my eyes out. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? I mean, it was, it's diamonds, really. Yeah. And uh, that was from the main, the main cast um that was there at the time which was amazing so that's beautiful that, that that's probably i mean i have a million of them i have so many weird <laughs> memories but uh that's that's one of my good ones so i guess what's what's something that you think people who watch the show either wouldn't know or you think maybe should know about the show from a behind the scenes perspective like something that they don't get to see or that that you think as a cast member or as a crew member rather that you think is important for people to know <laughs> We were all a bunch of goose. Um, <laughs> our crew and cast always welcome people with some sort of joke. Um, and by joke, I mean some sort of torturous action, um, like in high school. Right. Um, for example, yeah, hazing. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> uh, for example, and I have the video somewhere. I'd have to, God only knows where. Um, John Leguizamo, it, it was my first season too. Uh, on the set and John was running down the hallway and had to grab gloves out of the, yeah. whatever the box. Yeah. Yeah. And our prop guys had spent hours tying every glove together. Oh. <laughs> so no. when pull the out of the box, the entire thing came out of the wall with all the gloves. Oh my gosh. And he was, I mean, he's so New York. I mean, I'm from the East coast. So like he was just, F this and F that. He, but we were all dying. We were dying. Um, oh, awesome. There was this other thing that they had. Uh, I don't even know what it was. I call it like an air box. They would pull it and this puff of air would get thrown at you. But you didn't know where it was coming from because it was like across the set and it would work. And they would do this to like the extras. <laughs> <laughs> or new cast members that came on that didn't know it existed. I mean, you felt like you were getting hit in the face with a ghost. And so people <laughs> thought the stage was haunted, but it was usually the camera guys um, messing with new people. Um, so, I mean, we always had a good time. Yeah. I mean, there's a picture, there was an episode where we trucked in all this snow and, and stuff, and it was 90 degrees out, and it was... It was like two in the morning and the man, there was a man dressed as a snowman. And if you ever see, when you see the episode, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. He's dressed as a snowman and he passed out on the ground. Oh no. And he wasn't dead, we didn't think. <laughs> um, and so my boss, Dabber, who's one of my closest friends and I, we just laid down next to him and we were doing like that Kramer pose. Oh my god! To that somewhere. I mean, we were just, you know, when you sleep in the middle of the night, you're like, what? You have to. You just, yeah. you have to. So, but, I mean, I could, I have a million of them. We were always having a good time, which is what yeah. made time pass. You know, yeah. you didn't care if it was 18 hours. Now I can't go eight hours without like, oh my god. Is there a, um, 
Is there a particular episode that you would consider like your favorite that you worked on or anything that you, um, um, well, you know, it's funny, not a specific, I, the 300th episode was special because actually that's another funny story, but, um, there was that weird, uh, camel. Did you guys, if you've seen it, um, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, and more Tooney wanted a picture with the camel. So she asked me to go with her. Yeah, I remember. So, yeah, so she brings me over, and there's, it's 90 degrees outside, and there's this big-ass camel sitting in the middle of the back lot, and it's huge. And uh, so all of a sudden, we walk over there, and the camel puts its head down my shoulder. And the guy's like, the trainer's like, dude, no, he's never done that before. <laughs> and he wouldn't let go. So Car- more, I, I mean, I called her tyranny. More would grab my camera out of her hands and starts taking pictures and this thing is just like perched on my sh- like my dogs are right now uh like perched its head on my shoulder um so i mean that was like from an aspect of filming that was a lot of fun being around that stuff i was the designated thrower and what i mean by that is anytime somebody threw something in an episode like there was an episode where somebody threw cookies at the admin desk uh, there was a time where more threw a toy frog at Gorin. Um, that was me throwing because none of them have arms and they wanted it accurate. Um, so I would be brought in to stand next to the camera and actually <laughs> throw the things from their angle. Get the former so, softball player to hurl things at cast members. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So they, I don't know what they did prior, but they would all, they all knew at that point that I was a softball player. So they're like, well, maybe we could get more accurate. More, more is no athlete, <laughs> and she's the sweetest person, but like, no athlete. Um, we tease the hell out of each other because she's a Red Sox fan and I'm a Yankee fan. But uh, that's a whole other story if you want that one. That one. Yeah, no fun. one's no one's perfect. So. Oh, oh my god! I so Mora and I had a Mora can have a, like a cantankerous relationship with people at first. Like she's not a very open, friendly person until you know her. So. In my second season, she and I got close over softball. She knew I was a big Yankee fan. And um, so April Fool's Day, I was like, I got to do something. So we had these bodies, literal, like they were full-length bodies that they used in the trauma rooms to prep when they they would tech the scene. So I took one of those and I put it in a full Yankee uniform and I put it on her toilet in her trailer. And she always was late. Mora could not be on time, ever. Um, so the trailers were like long, I call them honey wagon trailers, but so her toilet would have been at the same level as her, uh, door. So I kind of stuck the thing on the toilet and all you could see were the feet. So it was like six fifteen in the morning and she's looks like she's hung over. She's not, but she just always looked exhausted when she was coming in. So she walks into the trailer and all, all of a sudden I hear, Carly, you motherfucker, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and everybody knew it was coming like i was just i was on the other side of the lot at that point but it was uh that's the kind of shit we used to pull on each other like everybody you know you'd find like fake poop somewhere i mean you there was just always a joke there was always something you know that we some joke we were playing on each other and it made it you know made the day go by and it it made it more fun. And I, I mean, what would you say you're most proud of accomplishing during your time on ER? On the show. I get that question a lot now because uh, 
Oh, I was not. I was here's a fun one. Um, I was made world's biggest ER fan by Variety Magazine. <laughs> um, That's cool. <laughs> which was turned into another joke. Um, yeah, so around the time the 300th episode came out, they made this big deal about it. Uh, we had a huge party. Oh, it was a party. Oh, my God. Um, God, I haven't been drunk that drunk since then. <laughs> that was a Still recovering time. from the hangover. Still recovering 12 years later, 13 years later. Um, and um, so Variety Magazine decided that they wanted to do a feature on the show and have somebody who had been on the show since the beginning, somebody who was a current cast member, and then a fan, like a big fan. But they didn't want to just open it up to fans because they didn't know what they'd get, you know, because it can get fandom can get crazy. So they knew my history with the show um, and knew my knowledge of the show. So they decided to use me, interviewed us about all kinds of shit. I, I don't even remember. It was just bizarre. But the best part was my boss, a gentleman named Fernando Castroman. I love this man so much. And, um, and my department made this huge thing about it that I was the world's biggest ER fan. They made a shirt for me, a hat. And I was greeted by everybody with applause on the set with Scott um, the next day, which was so, it was so weird. I don't even know where, like they were clapping and I had this t-shirt with writing all over it. And yeah, it was, it was hysterical because it was, you know, it was right. a joke, but it wasn't like, I right. actually was that fan, but uh it, it was kind of surreal. That's one of my, I'd say that, and it's led me to what I've been able to do now. I've won an Emmy, I've been nominated for three. Um, it's led me to my my time now. So, what was your Emmy for? Was it for editing or? Uh, no, um, my production staff, uh, MLB, MLB Tonight. Uh, we won okay. in twenty seventeen. We're up again this year. I God only knows, uh, but just the production staff. Yeah. For best uh, outstanding studio production. Sorry. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, you don't want to be obsessed with your own awards where you've got them memorized no. or anything, you know. Yeah. Stay yeah. humble. So uh, is there any anything else from your time on ER? I mean, we're kind of wrapping up here. Is there anything that you feel like you want everybody to know about your time on the show or any other fun stories you've got for us? I want everybody to know that everybody is as genuine as they seem. Um People that you would think would be horrible, you know, like the people who meant to be mean, like Eric and uh, Paul, mm -hmm. are very kind, humble individuals. Um, I got to interview Paul about a year and a half ago here in New Jersey to help me out with a rescue piece and a piece on the X-Files. Um, and he had flown out to visit family and came and met up with me in Boonton, New Jersey. And... Uh, and it was amazing um and spent the time teaching me as well you know working with me paul directs a lot and so does eric actually um a lot of chicago the chicago met with like the neil bear shows yeah, yeah. um neil bear kind of left new york and went your way um i another fun thing i got to do uh the fans i got to do the behind the scenes for season three episodes uh, for the DVDs. Nice. Oh, I, cool. I was an associate producer on this when I was an intern. So I got to spend the time I was there doing all the interviews with uh, the production company they hired. Um, but 
anyway, getting back to what I said, really, um, it was an amazing crew. They were once in a lifetime people. Uh, and I mean that from everybody from the DGA training to the craft service to the head, the production. Um, everybody knew each other. Um, and they genuinely cared about each other. And um, I miss them every day. Being there at the end was emotional. Um, I watched actors pull stuff off the walls. Uh, and crew, of course. I mean, I have Carter's nameplate. Don't tell anybody. You know, nice. You know, it was just those things that... Um, you just you never forget we were i was there when rod holcomb who directed the pilot also directed the finale and we were there when they said cut and that's a wrap for the last time and there were a lot of tears and a lot of champagne and it's one of those rare things in your life that you're like nothing will ever be like that right again it's once in a lifetime and i'm grateful to have had that experience and we'll take that with me and take the relationships with me the rest of my life. So you, I mean, you've kind of touched on it already a little bit, but do you want to just tell everybody kind of quickly what your, what your current projects are, where they can find you to support those? Um, I currently work for major league baseball for MLB uh, network, which uh, we are the network that uh, works with major league baseball <laughs> we're owned by major league baseball. Uh, I also work with NHL network. We, um, we work, we have a, a pro, you know, however you work in a partnership with NHL Network. Uh, we produce all their content. Um, I also am an executive producer and director for Punk Rocks Productions. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, where I've got two projects currently in the works. One is called Broken, uh, which is about um, rescue and rehabilitation for dogs. It's the two behind me. Um, and I'm working on, which will be the 30th anniversary of the X-Files. Um, we've been working on that project now for quite some time. Very cool. So that's the X-Files 25, I think is the website. <laughs> my, okay. my, my co-producer does all that stuff. We, we can find it and try to link it in the description. Thank so. you. Thank you. So that's, that'll about wrap us up, wrap us up for today. Thank you so much. Uh, Miss Blake, thank you on behalf of Daniel and I. Thank you so much for taking the time. It means the world to us, genuinely from the bottom of our hearts. Well, thank and you for continuing to honor a show that really has touched a lot of people in many ways. You know, like Law and Order, um, it has an effect on people, and they understand the medical part, and and it it helps them think a little bit more. Uh, and it was an honor to be part of it. <laughs>